you'll bow your heads with me as we continue our service and with prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for being a good communicator. Pray that your words would be in my mouth and uh, pray that your spirit would be here with all of us that are here today as well as those watching online, live or in delay. May you continue to just help us to have you as the foundation and follow you. And uh, we all need help with that. And my prayer is in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> I was speaking with a friend on Tuesday about uh, the small group Bible study that I lead on Monday nights. And, and this new friend of mine, he attends it. And he says, I, 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 it's really good. I like what you're doing. You should share those things at church. <clears throat> and um, that's what I do, but I just share it in different ways, uh, different audiences, different times. You know, it's the same Bible principles about Jesus. You're just looking at different aspects, but uh, I share the same stuff in principle, just in different ways. And uh, <clears throat> I, is, to the best of my ability, I always try to encourage and inspire people with the death and resurrection of Jesus wherever I'm at, whether I'm guest speaking or before I became a pastor or small groups or sermons or a sab school class. That's just what I, that's my aim. That's what, in my understanding, that's what God has, has um, burdened me with is to share that. And um, <clears throat> um, so take, for example, this year. The theme, as you can see on the screen, is the foundation. <clears throat> and Crystal made that slide. It was really nice. <clears throat> and I think she sent it in January 18, something like that. <clears throat> and, and she sent it to me. She said, oh, that, what do you think? Because it's, you know, you got the mountain there. And click to the next slide. <clears throat> and then uh, <clears throat> and, and, and I gave her some feedback. We kind of tweaked a little bit. And, and uh, so you could see the mountain a little more because Jesus is the rock, you know, that we all sing and talk about. Christ is the rock. He's our foundation. And Etc. You got the crosses back there because it's. I always wanted to be about Jesus' death and resurrection, and etc. And, and so that was the theme for this year. Um, and that was the slide she came up with, which I which I like. It's really nice. And um, and so as we go throughout this year, it, granted it's only June, but every week we're, I, I I try to simply look at different aspects. One week, like last week, it was <coughs> how to. Um, get the Bible facts, interpret them, and apply them. You know, how to study your Bible. Like today, it's about how to follow the Jesus as your foundation. Other weeks, it's about the benefits of following Jesus. Other weeks, it's about the challenges of following Jesus. Some weeks, it's about, you know, sharing Jesus. And, but it's always, at least to the best of my ability, about Jesus' death and resurrection and how that can apply to your life. And uh, there's different ways to do that. <clears throat> and... Um, I remember when I was praying back in October, um, October, November, December, um, the, the, the church, when I interviewed, I remember saying, man, we want our own church. <laughs> we remember that, right? We, we want our own church. <laughs> and, and most people thought, man, we're not going to get it in the next 12 months. That's insane. I mean, people drive cars out here that have more money than we had in our savings account <laughs> as a church. No exaggeration. And then COVID hit. It's like, well, that certainly isn't going to happen. Um, and lo and behold, um, October, November, December-ish, um, you know, that was looking like a reality. 
<clears throat> so I was praying and thinking and doing my best to listen to the Lord. And, and the Lord said, hey, look, in my understanding, in my brain, <clears throat> whether I'm crazy or whether I'm sane, God said, look, I'm going to bring you a church <clears throat> and we're going to reduce the price a great bit. And it's going to be a gift. Um, so we all remember how good and big and powerful and generous and what God can do um, when he thinks it's best. Because it's going to be a busy year. You're going to get a church. <laughs> You're going to need to do some remodeling. <laughs> you might want to get a renter. <laughs> and you know, it's going to be a busy year, so plan ahead. And I'm, I'm not, if you look up in the dictionary <laughs> under, you know, organization, I'm not the poster child for organization. <laughs> but if you look up the definition and the, the picture of someone who's sloppy, I'm not sloppy either. And somewhere in the middle. And anyway, so God said, well, plan out your year. So I said, okay. So in October, November, December, I planned out the entire year of sermons um, of 2021. The titles, the scripture, the actual, you know, sermons, the notes, <laughs> not every slide, but most of them. <laughs> uh, I like to do that as much as I can. So that way, like the kid's story, we know where we're going, the singing as much as possible. We can say, hey, let's Let's actually have, a, as a church, a direction as much as possible. Let's all try to aim at the same direction. So I, I do my best to do that. And I remember when I, because I sent it to Crystal and, and Debbie, and I sent it to Bill, and I sent it to Tito, because they're communication, media, <coughs> clerk, behind the scenes. So, you know, when someone's in music or a uh, kid's story, they can connect with Debbie, and she's like, oh, yeah, the, the sermon and the title is this, and the media people can put it on Facebook and website, etc. and Crystal can make awesome slides, and so we can plan ahead. And I remember Bill. You remember that, Bill? When I sent the list, I still remember Bill Thomas. He's the leader of a media team. He said, man, pastor, I've never known anybody to do that for the whole year. You remember that? I sent it as far as my email, as far as I can remember, that was December 31st. <clears throat> I sent out the whole year. And um, he, one of my pastors, who, who friends, who, who quit pastoring, he even said to me, man, I've never done that before. But anyway, so I sent out the list. <clears throat> and not uh, to try and get ahead because I knew it would be a long year. But it, it's always unique as a pastor because i got many pastor friends and uh, go to seminars and hear other people too. Different people get their information in different ways at different times. <laughs> and different pastors prepare in different ways in different times. For example, I, I literally planned out the whole year back in December. <clears throat> um, knowing what, I mean, you could say, hey, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and I... I already have what that is. But I know other people who, if I said their name in Avenue circles in our denomination, they're famous enough and they've written books, you'd actually know who the person is. And, and, and some of, not all, but there's a few of them who are like, I wake up Saturday morning and I pray and God gives me the message and I deliver it. Uh, and I know other people, <coughs> pastors, who, who they, they ask church members through different ways, polls, surveys, or just go up to people, hey, Matt, I'm, I'm planning ahead in, in August. What do you think I should preach on? Um, and so some people ask church members. I've known people to ask people out in the community <coughs> that they'll say, hey, Michelle, you talk to someone out in the community what they think they want to hear, and you come tell me, and I'll preach on that. And in the, believe it or not, there's some people that, I, that, I, that I'm aware of that even <coughs> um, Saturday morning or Sunday morning, they prepare nothing whether you think that's good or bad, they've prepared nothing. <laughs> they get up here, <laughs> they pray, and they, after they're done praying, the Bible opens, wherever it opens, they go. 
just right then. <laughs> Their understanding is, um, uh, and I'm not remembering the exact verse, you probably would remember it better than I, but the scripture where I think Jesus said, hey, don't worry about what to say, God will give you the words in that hour. So that's their interpretation of that. So it's like, I don't need to pray. When I get up here, boom, God will just give it all to me in that exact minute. So there's, there's different ways Every, you might like it different ways. Almost nobody ever tells you how they do it. <clears throat> but every preacher has a different way of getting your information, and every preacher has their own time when they are comfortable putting it together. <laughs> but no matter, who, <clears throat> no matter who the person is, like for me, for example, though I planned out the whole year, I had to change it a couple of times because I got COVID um, in January, and then I asked Brian Higginbotham to give his personal testimony. And so the original that I sent out in December has changed at least twice because I got COVID, and, and I asked Brian to give his personal testimony. But for the most part, it's still all the sermons, the same titles, they just changed the dates a little bit. But one thing in common for no matter who the pastor is, <coughs> male, female, young, old, uh, black, white, Spanish, Asian, we never know who's listening. I have no clue who's going to be here, who won't. <coughs> it could be a holiday weekend and everybody's out visiting family. Or it could be a holiday weekend and all the family decides to be in this area and come to church. I have no clue. And then especially now in 2021 with the cameras, I have no idea who's listening or, or their interpretation of it. But to the best of my knowledge, back before God ever asked me or while he was ask, asking me to be a minister, God was really clear that God wanted me to the, at least the best of my ability to share the death and resurrection of Jesus. Always, always, always. <coughs> so if somebody came to me and said, hey, we need some help with our marriage. I would literally take you to Jesus' death and resurrection. Well, we need some help with our kids. Let me take you to Jesus' death and resurrection. The end of the world's coming. We need to prepare. I will take you to Revelation in, in January when we go through it. I will be showing you Jesus' death and resurrection. That's actually what the theme of Revelation is about, Jesus' death and resurrection. <coughs> That's all I can do. So the best of my ability, that's what I try to do, is encourage and inspire people with Jesus' death and resurrection. And so today, um, I'll do my best to do that again. If you'll join me in our scripture today, it's uh, a scripture that I got back in December. A December, um, this text is 1 Samuel. There's two Samuels, <coughs> both in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 8 1 Samuel chapter 8, we'll be starting in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 7. <clears throat> 1 Samuel 8, 1 through 7. It came about when Samuel was old that he appointed his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the second was Abijah. They were judging in Beersheba. His sons, however, did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after dishonest gain and took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. 
They said to him, oh, the elder said, Behold, you've grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. Verse 7, The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me from being king over them. <laughs> About six years ago, a friend of mine, he was reading this book. And I don't remember the name of the book. <laughs> but he was reading this book. It was about um, leadership. And he shared the story with me. It was about this company that was losing uh, lots of customers in their business. And uh, so the, the, the company was concerned. And so they hired this new executive <laughs> to, to help them. And uh, the executive thought it would be a really good American idea to find the person that was not pulling their weight, as they say in the business world, not doing a good job. And it was his idea that they, he'd fire the person. <clears throat> and so it was, I think it was day two, and he went down into the, onto the factory floor, and he found this person who was standing there on his phone, talked to a few people and, on his phone, waited until he got off his phone, and he went up to him, and he says, how much money do you make? And by the look on, the fa on his face, he well, that's kind of odd. You know, we're strangers. You don't know me. Why are you asking how much money I make? Most Americans don't like that. They're not comfortable with that. Yeah, but he answered anyway. He said, well, around $300 a week. He said, well, that's $1,200 a month. He wrote out a check, gave it to him, and he said, you're fired. Well, the guy had this kind of strange look on his face, this kind of confused look. He took his check, and he, he's, he's walking away. A little bit later, this, this new executive, he, he talks to his secretary, and he talks to a few other leaders. He said, who was that guy? You know, what did he do other than just, you know, talk on his phone all the time? And uh, the secretary looked down. She was a little uncomfortable. She said, uh, well, you see, he didn't actually work here. He said, well, I know I fired him. He said, she said, no, 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 no. She said, you know, when the employees get hungry, they, they call for pizza you just fired the pizza delivery guy. <laughs> and it cost us $1,200. First <clears throat> Samuel 8, 4 through 7. All the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you've grown old and your sons don't walk in your ways. Appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel in verse 7, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Long story short, if you look at all the context and you read historians and theologians and people who are good at writing books and church leaders in our denomination, Israel, they thought other countries, uh, they had more success and more security, which in those things in and of themselves aren't bad. They're good things. It's nice to have those things. But the real issue, the underlying issue that that 
they weren't wanting to, that they either didn't know about themselves or they didn't want to admit, but at least in this original context, that wasn't the real issue. That wasn't the issue at all. Um, one of the, you can see it on the screen here with the slide, <coughs> um, according to an, a Seventh-day Adventist leader named Ellen White, the cases of abuse among the people had not been shared with Samuel. <coughs> so apparently they weren't actually that concerned because they never shared them. Had the evil course of his two sons been known to him, he would have gladly removed them without delay. But that wasn't their actual, that wasn't actually Israel's desire. And, and I get this from Patriarchs and Prophets. It's a good book. <coughs> um, it starts on page 603, and it, this quote's from 604. It's about 10 pages long. It's a good read <coughs> if you like to read. Um, I think the name of the, the chapter is Israel's First King, something like that. <coughs> um, but since Samuel was getting old and his two sons weren't making good decisions, Israel thought it was a good excuse to ask for their first king. But according to verse 7, in the context, <coughs> according to verse 7, that had nothing to do with the real issue. That wasn't the real issue at all. According to verse 7, the real issue, the underlying issue is that too many of the Israelites didn't really want, really want to follow God. And that's why they wanted to ask for a king. <coughs> it had nothing to do with people. God could have easily raised up, quote, another prophet that would have been young. He could have gotten a king that followed God. God could have done anything. Samuel wasn't the only person making good choices, and his two boys weren't the only people making bad choices. They're humans. It was complex. There's plenty of both, people making good decisions and bad decisions. It's been that way ever since God created human beings. It wasn't, according to verse 7, it wasn't about following people. It was about following God. That was the context. <clears throat> and as you read later today, you can look at verses um, 10 through 18 later, and God spells it out. He even tells Samuel, share with the people. If you want a king, this is what the king will do. He's going to take your sons, take your daughters, take your food, take your water, take your money, take your fruit, <coughs> take your crops, and the list goes on and on and on. <coughs> the challenge that God was sharing with the original audience is, if you're the re according to God, the real issue was they didn't want to follow God. And if they didn't want to follow God, how could we follow imperfect humans? Because God is kind, generous, loving, patient, thoughtful, helpful, balanced, generous. He's everything amazing times a thousand. And if we're not comfortable following that kind of a God, how could they follow any human if they're imperfect? That was God's thinking Unfortunately, that wasn't their thinking. We can read their response in verse 19 and 20 after God shared this, and then God even shared how it will go in the future because not only was God loving, patient, kind, and amazing, not only did the prophet know the future, God, they worshiped a God like we do. We worship a God who knows the future. Sometimes, that can be a little scary. <clears throat> Sometimes we, well, that's kind of cool. Are we sure? God knew the future, and they didn't think it was so cool. And they were the remnant. 
and don't take my word for it, read verse 19 and 20. After God shared all this in verse 7, <coughs> that they're not rejecting people, it's a rejection of him. And then he tells them what people type of, the type of stuff people do in verse 10 to 18. Their response in verse 19 was, nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, 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 no. But there will be a king over us that we shall, that, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and our king may go out before us and our king may fight <coughs> our battles. <coughs> now, as I was sharing last week, you, you know, good Bible study gets the facts. And then after you get the facts, <coughs> just like I did with my daughter, and then someone else blurted out the number. It was 18. If you get enough facts, you can actually interpret safely. And, in there, it, and God kind of spells it out here. <coughs> that according to the scriptures, they already had a king. Their king was the king of heaven. And according to the king of the universe, he thought he was doing a good job. And they either forgot or didn't appreciate. And neither response is great if you're the remnant. That's a dangerous place to be. <clears throat> because if you're not comfortable following the king of heaven, who's perfect and patient, and according to Acts, when you make a mistake, he winks at it and says, hey, let's not tell anybody. I'll take care of it. And it's not because he's loose. It's not because he's slippery. It's not because he's naughty. Just like the woman caught in adultery in the New Testament, <laughs> he, he met her needs in an appropriate way. He helped her. <laughs> and he said, hey, are they condemning you? <clears throat> I'm not condemning you. God's not in the condemning business. He helps us and he encourages us. And that was the kind of God that he was and still is. But if they didn't like following him, they'd have an even more difficult, frustrating time following humans, no matter who the human was. Unfortunately, <laughs> again, according to all the scriptures, not just this story, according to the whole scriptures, every human being, to one extent or another, wrestles with this, what I call a king complex. The Bible calls it sin. Everybody wrestles with sin a little bit. <coughs> different ways, different times, different people. It's a human issue in the Bible. It's called sin. Different people call it different things. In this context, it's kind of like, you know, that king complex. <coughs> different times it's easier to see. Sometimes it's not as easy to see. Recently, we can see it in places like on television, if you follow sports. <coughs> um, some of the basketball players have tried it recently. You see it in football. Somebody um, wants to get paid $45 million to play 17 games that kids play for free. They want to call every play. They want to say who's in the game. They want to decide who's their coach, who's the manager, how to run the team, <laughs> decide who gets drafted. And then it's a big mystery when later you do, well, we don't have any more money to get more people to help the team be better. That's a challenge in not just being a quarterback in the NFL. It's a bat, according to the scriptures, it's a battle that every human being wrestles with, even Samuel the prophet. 
and the first king Saul and the second king David. <laughs> you can go anywhere in the Bible and they all had that challenge because it's called sin. And everybody here has that potential. Everybody here, here, and even me. Every human being <coughs> has that potential challenge on their hand. And you know what Jesus did approximately 2,000 years ago? When we had nothing to do with it, he solved it. He solved it. <laughs> That's what he did at the cross. That's some of the stuff that we talk about with more nuts and bolts on Monday night small group Bible study. <coughs> Jesus' death at the cross and his resurrection is the answer. If you find yourself staying up late at night for whatever reason, that's the answer. I've had somebody recently tell me even today, wow, pastor, I'm staying up late at night. This is the answer. In the Old Testament, they looked to the sanctuary, they looked to the priest, they looked to the courtyard, and they looked at the lamb, and they thought of the Messiah. <coughs> In the Old Testament, it's the exact same principles. We just call it different words. As a little pre-glimpse to January, <coughs> if you want to look in Revelation, it's the exact same principles, just in symbolic form. But we'll get to that in January. It'll be fun. <coughs> Galatians 2.20 is where we're looking at this morning. So if you join me in your smartphone or, or tablet or Bible, I share it many times. <coughs> Galatians 2.20. The Apostle Paul has written about himself, who also knew he had this problem of this king complex. So his solution was finally, after he learned this, to apply it to himself and share it with others, even for himself. I have been crucified with Christ. This is Paul, <clears throat> trained by the best trainer back in the day, leader of the remnant, magic, miracles, doing all kinds of wonderful things in the name of Jesus, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and this is what he thinks he needs for himself. <clears throat> I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I only live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Life is full of surprises. You'll never know when you'll need that. If it's something <clears throat> that you'd like to know even more about, um, another friend of mine uh, just printed some of these for me. He printed 200 of these for, for us uh, for free. Uh, if you'd like to continue to learn more about it, out on the welcome desk, um, we've got hundreds of these. If you, if you don't have one, if you'd like one, it shows the four steps on how to apply it. And then on the back, it has 40 verses 40 different verses so you can every day look at one of the verses about Jesus' death at the cross. Because <laughs> like I shared, I think it was last Saturday, <laughs> if you're struggling for anything, the Bible's really clear. Dead people don't struggle. And the more that you struggle, and I'm speaking spiritually here, but it works physically, the more that you struggle, the more it is a sign that me, myself, that me, myself, and I am alive and well. 
And according to scriptures, when Jesus died, I died. If you believe. I don't feel gravity, but it's working. I don't feel the earth spinning and rotating. It's happening. I don't feel myself getting older. It's happening. You might not feel what we just read. But according to Jesus, that's his reality, and it's been that way since he died on the cross 2,000 years ago. And I share this in love. If it's not your reality, wherever you're at in your process of learning, understanding, appreciating, applying that, wherever you're at in your experience, <coughs> imagine if we don't understand that fully. Or maybe a nicer way to say it is, maybe if we feel like we still need to grow in that area some, how do you think all the six billion non-Christians feel? My own personal opinion is they're not all monsters. The majority of the world has just simply still not learned to understand and appreciate Jesus' death and resurrection. Why do you think so many human beings self-medicate? It's not because they're trying to hurt themselves subconsciously in their own family or somewhere along the line that's how they were taught to solve the problem because they've never been taught the Christ-centered way to solve a problem you know when Jesus went to the cross he had a real problem he never fought he never defended himself because dead people don't Jesus fought for other people. He, he fought for the Father. His concern wasn't his own life. If you'd like to learn more of those principles, <clears throat> that's what we teach every Monday night at the small group study and in little ways every time I'm preaching. And out in the welcome center, out on the top shelf, <clears throat> there's a bookmarker to, that describes all of that as well. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the people in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. In the original context, God got the message Israel was sending loud and clear. And God's response in verse 7 is that it has nothing to do with kings or prophets or their kids. It doesn't have any, anything to do with following people. <coughs> He's the king of the universe. He just kind of created Adam and Eve. He just created you. You didn't say, hey, I'd like to be born. You weren't alive. God could have created another prophet. He could have created another king. You know what they did? They wanted a king. You know what God did? God could have brought them a king that was actually a good one that would have helped them follow God. But you know what God did? God can read the mind, which none of us can. And God said, ah, I know what's happening here. You don't want to follow God. So I'll send you a king. I'll send you the one that you actually want, not the one that you need. And so they got King Saul. 
You may have wondered, why, did they, why didn't God ever let them get a good king? I just wondered, Saul was never doing a good job. And this is the beginning of it because they didn't want to follow God. So God said, well, I can play that game. I'll send somebody to lead you in human flesh. But it'll lead you where you want to go. God gives us always a freedom of choice. It's complicated. I say it often. Sometimes it's complicated. It's challenging. And so God <coughs> gave them their choice. But he was clear. It wasn't about following people. With God, it's always a spiritual matter. And so that's what God was sharing with and through the prophet Samuel. <coughs> During World War II, Germany had bombed London so often that the streets had just huge holes in them everywhere. And uh, from the first-hand records of people, they, they, they'd said that basically um, after a raid, um, when they were about to start having another raid, the safest place was down in one of the holes created by a previous bomb. Because statistically, the, the odds of them bombing the exact same place <coughs> were, were a lower ratio. So that was like, the, if there is a safe place, that's the safest place to go. So this father and the son were walking. They just helped some relatives with something. And they were walking home, and they heard bombs in the distance. And with every step, the bombs kept getting closer and closer. And, and the father could see his son was nervous, rightly so. And they may not have been able to make it home. So the father found the closest hole and he jumped down into it. And it was really dark. And um, just like here, and the singers can attest to this, you know, different light, different time can do different things. And sometimes the light's so bright here, you can't see that screen up there. But it's there. <laughs> but if you're there, you can see it. But if you're here, you can't because light does those kind of things. So anyway, when they'd bomb, it would just, even during the day, it was just so thick with bomb um, dust and, and the buildings and all that. It was like dark during the day. So anyway, the father, he jumped down into the hole and because of the way the light was shining, or the limited light, the father could see up and see his son, but the son could not see down and see his father. And the son, the, the father, he jumped down and he said, he looked around, he said, okay, I'm down here. Jump down, son, jump down. It's safe. And he could see his son the whole time. But as his son was up on top, he couldn't see the father. And he said, dad, I'm scared. And the father said, I know, but you don't have to be. The son said, but I can't, I can't see. The father said, I understand, but I can see you. If you trust me, I'll catch you and you'll be just fine. I don't know exactly... where God wants you to trust him more. I know back in November, December, especially January, <coughs> ever since as a church we've been praying about, well, should we rent to a church? 
And if so, who? You know, so because our church is empty on Sunday, you know, it's something we could do, help somebody else. We were helped for 12 years and uh, help them. We could get some help and they'd pay some rental money. And so we've been praying as a church for months about should we rent, should we not, to who, what are the hours. Last Sunday, the church board got together. We've had several offers, and the church board last Sunday got together and voted to accept a church. Their name is Odelia. They're bilingual, but they mainly focus on Spanish ministry. And that's why you'll see a few things here that's like, hey, they're not ours. They're not. But we've accepted the church to be renting here on a week-to-week basis. Uh, they were basically homeless. <coughs> the ministry they were doing, they were in... Uh, Carrollton or somewhere, and the city, uh, the realtor and the owner are saying that they're in good standing, they do good stuff, but the city was hassling them, and so they literally had to be out like in a week or two. And so the realtor came up with the idea, hey, let's just have them here week to week. Um, it can get us some money. They won't have to be homeless, as Royce has reminded me. That I wouldn't hear that in the beginning, Crosswalk was basically homeless a few times when you were, and Michelle's smiling, so she remembers that. In the beginning, Crosswalk, 14 years ago, had some of those times where it's like, where are we going to meet this Sabbath? And so apparently the church board, I didn't vote, but the church board, board said, hey, let, let's let them be here week to week. And, and while we work out the details to see if we want to have them here for a three-year lease. <laughs> They'd love to be here for a three-year lease, <laughs> and, and it, it's aiming that direction. Um, but we're praying, the other church is praying, and so continue to keep praying that God leads. Um, but that being said, I, I, I never know exactly, because I can't read people's minds. I don't know who's watching online, all of you who are sitting here, I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know where God is asking you to trust him more. <clears throat> and Chris, Krista, if you trust her, she can attest, I've never once looked at the financial records, though I have the authority from our denomination to do so. I haven't. But Jesus might be asking some of you to pay a faithful tithe and offering, to trust him I don't know. Some of you might be, God might, God might be asking some of you to trust Him with a relationship. God might be asking you to trust Him in, in a marriage. God might be asking you to trust Him with your career. I don't know what God's asking you to trust Him with. But you know, you know from your own experience and from the Bible, it's always best to follow Jesus. You know that. All I do is get to be like John the Baptist and simply remind you and encourage you what you already know most of the time. Trust Jesus. Follow Jesus. <coughs> That's the privilege God is asking us to do, is to follow him. And because we're humans, because we're humans, we all have that struggle, including me, including you, including our little kids and mine are just little squirts. Some of us have it in big ways. Some of us have it in little ways. Some of us have it more often. Some of us have it less often. It all funnels back to God. In his opinion, it all funnels back to, do you trust me? That's where it begins and that's where it ends.
If we, trust, if we don't trust him, it ends at the second coming. If we trust him, it will go for eternity. Turn with me to our last scripture here in closing as our singers come up front. To another prophet, prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 55, verse 6, 7, 8, and 9. Isaiah wrote, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he'll have compassion on him and return to our God and he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours.